Hey, this is Clint Charisma, and you listen to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling with Jimmy Street. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here as always with the main man, my brother from the same father and mother, my co-host Jared, the Plastic Sheik Street. What's up, Sheik? How you doing? Pretty good, brother. How about you? Man, just doing the thing, doing the thing. Ready for this awesome interview. Today, we've got Quentin Charisma on the show. Quentin's an old schooler, man. He's been there, done that. I can't wait to talk to him, man. What, what's your what's your thoughts on researching Quentin? Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to him and, um, you know, see, see what his, you know, of course, you know, I want to know the Mount Rushmore and I want to, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him about his, uh, you know, his life in the business and, and how he, he feels about it and uh, what's inspired him and everything like that. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good interview. Oh yeah. Quentin's great. Quentin is, he's one of those guys that if you don't like him, I don't know what your problem is because he's just such a nice dude and really just been there, done that and has a great story. I, I can't wait to find out more about him for sure. You know, unfortunately I didn't get a lot of time with him. You know, a lot of his time was before me, but at the same time, a lot of these guys are like that, you know, so it's yeah. kind of tough, you know, like we had the Dante and great Mephisto on man, Arvel and Tommy had such a legendary career man i just can't help but wish that i got in the business a little bit sooner because i missed out on a lot of great times with them but also at the same time i got to know them in the locker room and stuff and man our episode with them is doing great kroll's doing great jared i love our top five right now our top five all-time downloads it's basically this (laughs) it's crazy how to say it but it's shane morton it's Hot Rod Biggs, Greg Gagne, it's it's Jeff Daniels, it's Dante and Mephisto, it's Kroll. I mean, so many great names. You know, everybody's saying that they're aiming for Greg. They want to knock Greg out of that top five. <laughs> so. I mean, that's that's I'm we're we're still amazed that Greg was above Magnum in our eyes. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of wild to see that that uh, you know. So it's going to be great to. Uh, see if he can hold on to that 
top five spot or if he's gonna lose yeah. it in these uh coming interviews we got yeah and of course everybody knows our, our shows are also on youtube you can hear the full episode on youtube it's kind of like the cornet you know we do an image instead of you know we don't do live video which i'm happy about that as far as editing yeah. but but when it comes down to it it's just funny to me because magnum did a whole lot better on youtube well oh, yeah he did better than than a lot of our shows did on youtube but you know a lot of these new guys we're having on here that are from my scene that I got to work in, they're really ruling the roost. And, you know, it's really, it's kind of veered our show in another direction, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, not necessarily intended, but uh, it's uh, just what it is. And we're rolling with it. Yeah, you, you got to adapt to what the people like to hear, you know, Absolutely. and and we love our topics. I've said this a million times and we'll get back to those eventually. But at the same time, man, you know, when it comes down to it, we're having a great time with these interviews. And you know, it just so happens that we have a great one today with Mr. Quentin Charisma. And, you know, he he's got a great story to tell. And I think I think we need to hear it. You, you ready to get him on? Absolutely. Let's get it rolling. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And I tell you what, y'all, I've told it before and I've told it again. We're very blessed to have the guest we have today, who's been honestly one of our number one requested guests absolutely through the entire time, Mr. Quentin Charisma. How you doing today, Quentin? I'm doing good. How you doing? Man, we're good, brother. We're good. You know, we just happy to have you on here, and I'm sorry we've taken so long with it, but we're glad to have you. It's, you know, just how these things work, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm glad to be on, and I mean, you know, like I said, it a lot more, you know, people did a lot more in the wrestling business than I did coming from me, so, you know, I, I, as long as I got on here, that's fine with me. I don't care, you know, the order, because like I said, there's, I always say I was a, has been and never was. So those other guys, they deserve to be on her way before I did. So, well, I've got a list in front of me of questions that prove otherwise, my friend. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Now, we always start every show with the Plastic Sheik's patented Mount Rushmore question. Go ahead and hit him up with that. I, I think it's patent pending. I don't think I've received the actual <laughs> patent on that yet. <laughs> We've got to get on that. Where's our attorneys? Yeah. So, so Quentin, this question, um, I didn't invent the question, but uh, I always try to ask every wrestler that so that we know kind of what their influences were, where where their hearts lie in the wrestling industry. But if you could have an all-time, like Mount Rushmore, top four, or we give a fifth, and I think somebody took a sixth one time, but your top <laughs> four wrestlers all-time. Okay, I I got to ask a question. I'm going to ask you a question then real fast before we do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew you was going to ask me this, and I, so I started thinking about it. And I was thinking, 
for me, I can't really do this without breaking it down because to me, I have to have one as a fan. Then I have oh, to have one. Fine. Yeah. Okay, so I have I broke it down two, two lists, three lists are great if you want if you want to do it three ways okay. that's fine. This is me. This is my Mount Rushmore as when I was a you know growing up as a fan. Okay. The first one is Jerry Barber. <laughs> I know y'all don't have a clue who that no. is. No, I know who that is. Yeah, go ahead. I love it. Okay. Second one, Jerry Lawler. Oh yeah. Okay. Then Rock and Roll Express. I love it. And I was, and my last one as a fan growing up. Billy Travis. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Very underrated. Very you know, underrated. When I was a fan, I loved Billy Travis. Um, I actually started doing the, it later became the Vader bomb. Billy Travis is the first one I ever seen do one. So when I started, when I started working, I started doing, doing the splash, the first splash on the second. Okay. Here's my next one. This is the, the ones I look at as workers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got Terry Funk. He he reinvented himself so many times. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And Bobby Eaton, don't even have to even say why Bobby no, Eaton's on there. Yeah, no, yeah exactly, exactly. No explanation necessary with Bobby. Yeah. Then Harley Race. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Rick Flair, because he did the travel the territories and had to work. You know, a week with Rufus R. Jones in Kansas City and made, you know, at the time Rufus was in his 50s and made people leave. So, yeah, he, he did the territory. So, yeah, Rick Flair's there. And my last one, I think, is the best, best big, I could have a big man on there. So, my, yeah. I think the best big man, Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, dude. Oh, incredible. He's from the East. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. His stuff in Japan oh, man. was just amazing. Doing you know, cartwheels, and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the agility, the agility yeah. he showed as a big man. Is yeah, like, it was, it's amazing. He, yeah, I mean, you saw, I saw him do stuff. I was like, "What?" It was like, "Yeah, yeah absolutely." That's awesome. and, and especially his time period. I mean, you have big men doing a lot of stuff nowadays, but his time period, there was yeah. no nobody doing stuff, big men stuff. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, so I put him on the big, you know, I was like, oh, he don't believe it. But to me, as you have to have a big man, and he was the best, I think. Oh, I, I totally agree. Now, okay, while we're talking about this, and you just said his name earlier there, Jerry Barber worked in Ghoulist Promotion. Give Jerry his flowers real quick. Tell tell the people about Jerry Barber. Okay, Jerry Barber, uh, like, he was called the Tennessee Gentleman. <laughs> he, uh, he worked for, I think he started out, over in West Tennessee, uh, working, you know, the, the independent outlaws, and and I think he did some. I think he might have did some of the outlaw Paducah stuff, but then he went into Gulas early seventies, yeah. and was a Gulas mainstay, you know, uh, basically until you know Gulas shut down. Um, did a lot of tags with George. Uh, I think him and George, and I can't remember who the other one was. Um, I think they held the that six man world six man that Gulas had there for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jerry, he was uh, he was consistent, you know, state with Gulas, you know, this, uh, I don't think he, you know, he might have went, you know, maybe to Alabama some or something. But I think his main thing was with Gulas. I don't think he really ventured out. Yeah. You no, know, he was, was just mainstays with Gulas. 
Man, well, you know, one of our favorite guests of all time, the Dante and Mephisto episode, you know, Mephisto, Arvel Hutto, he was a ghoulist mainstay as well. So we love some ghoulists. We love Arvel. We love anything to do with that company. You know, we couldn't get them to comment too much on the George Ghoulist statement of daddy said sale, but they did giggle a little. We'll just say that. <laughs> I don't know. Can give you my third, the third yeah. one. Yeah. It's oh, sure. This is my local Mount Rushmore. Okay. Okay. First one's Tommy Higgy. Oh, man. Love him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ben Jordan. Oh, God. Love him. <laughs> Chris Michaels. Great. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy Smothers. Oh, love him too. Yeah. And good old Tony Falk. Oh, from Paducah, Kentucky. It's a shoot, Pally. I run the stadium in. That build a shift. He, he makes me buy the toilet papers every week. Kayla run around. I can't, I can't watch Kayla LT over there. He's in the stairway <laughs> doing the who knows what. You know, I, I, I got Oak Crow. He, he, he's over here videotaping. He can't watch it. He got his job. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hey man, that your boys, man. You gotta, you gotta love Tony. I, Tony Falk is one of my favorite. He's on my Mount Rushmore of people. You know what I mean? Oh, so, so I, I love some Tony. You know what's funny is the Wolfie D. We've got the Wild Boys coming up next week on the show. We're actually interviewing them tomorrow, so I'm excited to get Steve and Ben on the show. You know, as I was doing my research on Ben, I was like, holy crap, this guy's done everything and worked everyone literally. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean. Just just the list of his accomplishments are ridiculous, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's amazing. I'm excited for that interview. And what's cool, man, is you just named all some of the greatest dudes, man. They're really great guys. So yeah. no question on that. Well, I'm going to get back. Is that all your Mount Rushmore's brother? You yeah, got no. us? <laughs> yeah, <that> was- <laughs> <laughs> hey, keep going, man. <laughs> Is, do you have a Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmores? <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, I tell you what, we've talked all about those guys, and we could talk a whole show about them because, Quentin, I know that one thing about you is that you are a historian, and you are a true dyed-in-the-blood historian. But I want to talk about Quentin. So <laughs> while we start with that, Quentin, tell us about your younger days. Where were you born? Where'd you go to high school? Stuff like that. Um, from Mount Juliet, Tennessee. All right. And then where'd you go and to high school? Mount Juliet High School. Mount Juliet. I love it. Now, in high school, did you play any sports, do anything like that? No. Okay. Grades so- were so bad. My grades are too bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're honest. Okay, so yeah. at that point, you're, you're an athlete. You became a wrestler, man. When did you start liking wrestling? Oh, gosh. Uh, far back, I, I my furthest back memory was you know uh, watching. I barely remember remember watching um, the Goulas here in Nashville at the yeah. dying days. I barely remember that. And yeah. then he went away, and then we got the you know the Jarrett promotion <laughs> took over the time slot in the early eighties, and, and you know just watched that. And then then cable come along, and you know so, but you know just. So about eight years old, by far back, I can remember like watching wrestling me and my bro- other brother. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay. All right. So I'm going to step away from wrestling real quick because, you know, I'm wearing a T-shirt that, that tells my fandom right now. But rumor has it that you are a massive baseball fan. And here's why I know that you're a baseball fan. I know you love the sport of baseball because you're a Cincinnati Reds fan. Is that true? <laughs> 
Yes, I'm a Reds fan, but they're not my favorite. It's, oh, my questions are my answers are kind of are, are kind of long. I, you mean explain sure. the situation? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm a doctor. I'm like baseball far back as I can remember. You know, uh-huh. as a kid. Yeah. Okay. And my favorite team was the, well, the L.A. Dodgers. Oh God. Okay. You know, okay. I know. Because they were, <laughs> you know, they were late seventies. You know, they were they yeah. were the World Series. They lose. So I bet. Yeah. And uh, so I like the dog. And so, uh, and then, you know, back then, American League National League never played. So I was like, I'm going to, I started watching it and just really, you know, following it in the newspapers and everything. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to get me a favorite American League team. Okay. And so I was at Opryland, if people don't remember, knows what that is. Yeah. And they had the, uh, I was probably 11, maybe. Uh, they had the, uh, you had three pitches. You guess you guess the speed. Of the last one, you win a helmet. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so I guess my right speed on my last one, and okay. I had to choose a helmet. And I was looking like, okay, I'm, I, I can get in the American League team. Mm-hmm. I was looking, and they had like Boston, in like two. No, they they, selection was horrible. I picked <laughs> Boston, and then I got home. Said, so, well, I guess I got my American League team. So yeah. Now the way okay. the Reds come about, growing up in Nashville. Um, which we Nashville was a Reds town, right? Exactly. And so we had, um, we got all, every Reds game locally on Channel 17 in Nashville growing up. Okay. All the way up, I want to say early 90s, then it switched over to Channel 30. Yeah. But we had we had Reds games all my life up until uh, MLB basically took away all local, you know, and went to yes, cable. We had to, you know. Yeah. So, so that's why, and, and so I watched the Reds games every night. Okay. So I became a Reds. That was a long-winded answer, no, but that, I know. Yeah, yeah, and being a Reds fan is it's hard. <laughs> well, you know, my brother and I, we both are. Our dad is. You know, our grandfather was. I mean, we've had a long line of. We we say we bleed Cincinnati red. You know, but what what's funny is my joke on that is that we have to be huge fans of baseball <laughs> to love yeah. the Reds. It's yeah, like it's true. you know because you're not watching for them to win necessarily. In fact, I think I've only seen them win one game my whole time of going to watch them in Cincinnati. And Jared's record's not much better. So that's a little better but it's not much yeah yeah and it's mainly because of his good luck charm daughter my niece paisley but yeah you know she she's she was actually on the big monitor on the jumbotron yeah of the jumbotron but anyway so the reds you know we we love them and and have always been big fans of them now i do you i know you kind of said the dodgers i respect that my dad would hate that but i'm i, I hate the <laughs> You know, I hate the Cubs and the Cardinals now because they're in the Central Division with the Reds. But so I don't want to stick too much on baseball. But do you have any favorite Reds players or just a favorite baseball player? Growing up, my favorite Red was Eddie Milner. Oh, nice deep no, cut. Wow. Deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was my favorite growing up. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, that's, Hey, I, I respect that. I love Eddie Milner too. So I was an Eric Davis kid and then Barry Larkin. And then, you know, I, I've developed into other, but we're looking pretty good. We've got the triple a team burning it up. So we've brought them up. It looks like this year, maybe the reds will do a little something later in the year, but on to rest. <laughs> What's that? Or just trade them, them off. Yeah. You know, exactly. Or just lose them all free agency. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. 
Let's get back to wrestling a little bit. So did I hear somewhere that you were, um, with your start in wrestling, you were trained by Mark Gordy and then Chris Champion. Is that right? Or no. am I getting that wrong? Uh, y'all want the true story? Absolutely. Absolutely. We want the true story. Yeah. Straight with you. Uh, me and Mark Gordy grew up together in Mount Juliet. Went to high school, you know, junior high, high school. Um, he he come across this guy one time. I don't know. This is like ninety one. You know, we, we me and Mark grew up. We went to wrestling. You know, we all we, both of us wanted to be wrestlers and everything. And and you know, based on place you could get trained around here that time was Jarrett's school, mm-hmm. and it was just too much money. You know, um, so you know we just, was trying to find an end somewhere. He stumbled across this guy who he lived in Hartsville, Tennessee, and wrestled in Hartsville, Tennessee. And Mark started talking to him and saying, and okay, I know I'm going way back. My answers are going to be long and all over the place. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, fine. Okay. Back in 89, in the, was at the sports arena in the program, they had a thing that said wrestling tryouts and you had a number. So Mark called it. It was Dutch Bantel. You had to pay. It was, it was like either three or $500. Yeah. And went, and it was a tryout, so we thought it was so. I had no money, like so we were in high school, right? And I barely had enough money to put gas in my car. So he, Mark, he got some money saved up, so he did it. So I took him out. We went out there, and so we get there, and Dutch is there. There's like three other guys out for the sports arena. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna go in here, get in the room. You know, he's gonna let me wash us. And Dutch is like, "You're not doing this." I said, "No." He said, "You have to leave." I was like, "Oh, piss!" So. I was like, all right, so, I'm, so I drove around the, the fairgrounds over back towards the um, that little uh, building has got where the um, it's open air, just got yeah. a roof and stuff. So I pulled yeah, yeah, over yeah. there. So I was thinking, I was okay, I'm watching going to sports arena. Next thing I know, they're walking around the side. And I was like, what are they doing? So I sit there, and so I'm watching. So I go on and drive all the way around those um, outdoor sheds and come in the backside. So I'm watching for two hours. He made them run. Mm. Just run. And then he made them do some, um, got them on the, <laughs> on the bottom of the light poles mm. and was doing like calf raises and stuff for like two hours straight. Oh my God. And, yeah. So finally, Mark come back. He's ever done it. Mark come over and goes, I said, y'all never got in the ring. He said, no. I said, what's going on? He said, he said, well, he told me and this other guy, he said, he said, we could come and train. He told the other guy, don't don't come back. He don't have it. I said, well, when do you start training? He said, oh, i got to pay another $500, and it's uh, uh, $100 a week. Mm. I was like, whoa. And Mark's like, I ain't got no more money. So so that so that kind of killed that. So I said, so we started looking for other ways in. You're getting back to like two years later. Mark comes across the sky, and he starts talking about wrestling. And he's like, yeah. We're, and so Mark said, I trained with Dutch Mantel. Which technically, I guess you could, he did one day of training. I guess. <laughs> sure, yeah, so, yeah. So, it counts for something, especially so the money's spent. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was like, "Well, come on up to Hearts for Saturday night, and if y'all looking, y'all looking for work." We're like, and Mark's like, "Yeah, yeah." So Mark calls me, gives us big spills, like, "We can do this, man." I was like, "I can see." Uh, my, I'm backtracking again, long winded. Love it. Uh, we used to we used to go to the fairgrounds. Uh, yeah. Basically, after I started driving, I said, "Edward, I turned 16. Yeah, we would stay. And they said, everybody out would go to the back, back behind the building where all the hills part. Mm-hmm. We'd wait. Everybody left. We'd go go back in the doors because they didn't lock the doors. 
they had a security guy come around like at 11 30 12 o'clock and locked up all the buildings in the gate the mm-hmm. gate that goes down back where mm-hmm. down the hill back where uh that white trash cafe used to be so he locked that gate and he locked the sports room so we figured that out so we started sneaking back in and we would get in the ring and wrestle that's amazing oh no <laughs> it's crazy and uh, then we had another guy uh went to high school with Eddie leonard and brad northcutt they came they started coming so we at the, the matches every week we'd get in the ring and wrestle that's and amazing smart, you know and sure so, sure so so fast forward again so mark's like we can do this now we did you know we just we know what we're doing i was like oh i was like you know i was like this is the only chance we're going to get i'm but mm-hmm. i'll go with it so mm-hmm. we go to hearts we got off the hearts from he goes he comes to the door and asks that he has to see that this guy the guy he met he come out and he started talking to us he said hold on a second he brings out the booker the guy booking was named donnie fargo and it's not the original donnie fargo this okay a, okay this is a totally different guy this guy was out of out of kentucky somewhere eastern kentucky i think no nazi symbols on the wall no tattoos no, on the no, face no. this is not no, donnie no, fargo. okay not uh, no no uh uh Pearson below the belt. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. he's like, he goes, says, where y'all working? So we haven't worked yet. And, and I told Mark, I said, I'm going to you do all the talking. I ain't saying the word. Sure. So Mark goes, oh, we said, we haven't started yet. And he goes, we haven't started. So what, who trained you? He goes, he goes, I was trained by Dutch Mantel. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. he said, really? he said, yeah. And he said, that, that's fairgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> He's like, all right, come on in, guys. <laughs> That's all I back. needed to hear. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, is it this easy? You know? <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't have this long time ago, you know? So <laughs> we didn't, he's like, um, he's like, what's your names? And Mark told him his name. And I was like, hey, what's your name? I was like, uh, I had no clue. I, I gave him my shoot name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's like, okay. And so we're sitting there and he's like, y'all guys want to hang out? He said, uh, you got to next week. Y'all want to be, we'll book you for next week. We're like, okay. So y'all guys can hang out and watch the show. So we walk, you know, and it's low level, real, real low level. Right. And um, I mean, I, I guess you've realized it because they just told us, come on in. So I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and they do intermission and they plug me and Mark coming next week. And I'm like, I've never had a match before in my life or getting plugged. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, you know, we, we, we go, we leave, right? We're going, okay, so we're driving back to Mount Juliet. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, dude, what are we doing, man? What are we doing? He's like, I guess we're going to be wrestling. He's going to wrestle in. Man. And, I, and he's like, he's like well, we, we, we got, he had some, like, some Spanish biker shorts. Because back, back then, late 80s, early 90s, you know, everybody, you could get spandex biker shorts before yeah. they hit wrestling, you know, that was the big thing, just you oh, go yeah. to any gym, everybody, you know, so you could go get those at Walmart anywhere, so I think I went to like Kmart and got me a pair, and uh, so he had, he had a pair, so I was like, we don't have no boots, I said, I'm gonna, I was like, man, I, we don't have the money to buy no wrestling boots, you know. I mean, yeah. at that time, you get from Bill Ash for, you know, like 150 bucks from Bill Ash at that time, okay. but, you know. You know, 91, we're just out of high school. We still ain't got no money. You know, nope. they ain't no K&H happening right now, right? This is. No, no, no. So, <laughs> so he, he gets on, he starts, you know, some pre-internet, you know, everything is newspaper, phone book. He gets to start calling sporting goods stores. Mm. 
And 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 that if you're from Nashville, the biggest thing in Nashville was Walter Nippers Sporting Goods on Eighth Avenue. Okay, yeah, I know where that. Yeah, yeah. Everything they did, youth sports, high school sports, you know, any kind of equipment, you know, baseball, football, basketball, uh, you know, any kind of sport, any any school play, they had bukus of it. Yeah. So Mark called him and asked him, do y'all have any uh, wrestling boots? And the guy's like, no, we have wrestling shoes. Uh, we have some boxing boots. Oh, okay. And Mark's like, okay, how much are they? And he said like four, it was like thirty nine ninety nine, whatever it's like. And he said they're, um, oh crap, what's that? Everlast. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's like, so he calls me back. He calls me and said, man, I got us some boots. I said, how much? He said, like thirty nine ninety nine, forty bucks, whatever. I said, oh, really? So because it's Walter Nippers downtown. I was like, okay, I'm off Thursday. I get paid Thursday. We'll go down and get them. Yeah. So I go. We we go down there, and and if and if you ever look, they're Muhammad Ali boots. They were <laughs> white. They were white um, with the red and blue, and they had a little circle Everlast emblem. Okay. On the side, the Muhammad Ali edition. Because that's what we got. So the next week. We go up to um, Hartsville, and they book us in a match. Wow. <laughs> wow. And it was on from there. Man. What a start, oh, man. <laughs> now, that is a start, dude. That is awesome. Now, what would you do if you were the guy at the door and a young Quentin Charisma came up now? What would you be like? I would tell him to either pay $6 or leave. and that's what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) (laughs) but you know i look back i mean it was wrong but if they would have said no and told us to buy a ticket or leave yeah i probably would have bought a ticket and watched and then right right exactly yeah they opened the door i mean what was i supposed to do i mean yeah exactly when you when a door is opened you gotta go through it so i know it's most of low of level you know, but they let us in, so we went in. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It, you know, it was like, you know, we did that for like three months. Uh, Mark, start, he got in touch with a guy named Sammy Manier. He was yeah. a promoter. He promoted a lot in South Tennessee. Yeah. So Mark called him and talked to him, and they were running a show in Fairview, Tennessee. This was in January. He said, come down, talk to my booker, Chris Champion. So we went down, okay. talked to Chris. Okay. They booked it. So okay. I consider that January 92 my first real match. Okay. It was with guys that, you know. Knew what's up. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, talk about that because we, you know, I'm a huge fan of Chris Champion. I think anybody who wrestles, Chris is, you know, Chris, Tony, Chris Michaels, you know, like all these guys, they're kind of like Wolfie, Jamie, these guys, not the Lawlers and the Dundees. I respect all of them, but they're kind of another, another level. What I mean is like, there's kind of the the local guys that are the dudes they're the they're the they're the guys you that you care about them tracy was one you know but talk about that you get them to you talk to chris champion keep going so he's like yeah he's like there's no money guys we got a full card but sammy was wanting to take a look at you wanted me to take a look at you so he put me in a singles match and put mark in a tag match um i can't really remember who mark worked i worked gary scott at the oh, time he was golly okay yeah wow how was that <laughs> okay so i'm in this dressing room and there's you know chris champion 
George Weingroff. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, um, shooters. <laughs> I was, you know, yeah. it was guys I've seen on TV, you yeah. know, I'm like, Oh man, you know, I was just like in awe. So, you know, Gary comes over and he, and I told him, you know, I've only had a few matches and he said, okay, we'll just keep it simple. Blah, blah, blah. We'll go out there. And I, it was a big little match. This is where it got weird. So, we did the thing. We did the finish. Gary goes over, and all of a sudden, George Weingroff slides and hits the ring. Okay. And I'm I'm not I don't know what's going on. So I he hits Gary. I and I'm getting up my feet around, and I'm not feeding around because I know to feed around. I get up to look at what the crap's going on, and he didn't think. I guess he didn't know I was turning around, so he went to hit me, and I turned right at the same time, right in the face. Bang! <laughs> oh man! Knocked the stuffing out of me. Mm. And I went down. Mm. I rolled out. I got out of there. And the whole time walking from the ring, this was at a high school, Fairview High School, and it was packed. Both sides of the bleachers full. Yeah. So I'm I'm freaking out, you know. And all the way, from, and we had dressed on the other side of the school. It was it was crazy. But anyway, so I'm walking back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they know I haven't been trained. And I've heard stories about George being a shooter. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. He's, he hit the ring because they, they found out about me and Mark. That's kind to myself, right? Yeah, so, I've been found out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, so I'm walking back and I'll go to the water. There's a water fountain. I'm blowed up. I'm just sucking in water, trying to get my face. because My face is numb. I just got blasted. <laughs> I look over. Here comes George and Herbie walking oh. by Herbie's brother. And, um, yeah. And I see him motions for me, like, get over here. I was like, I was like, well, here it goes. I'm fixing to get beat up. Yeah. So yeah. I walked this little hallway, I turned the corner, and as soon as I turned the corner, him and her were standing there and he grabs my hand and goes, Man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to stiff you. I didn't know what stiff meant at right. the time. Yeah. And he said I uh, said that Chris has come up with the idea to set up for me and him in the main event to run in. He makes the save. He said I was going to hit you from behind. You turned around. You didn't know I was coming. He said, it was an accident. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, oh, it's fine. No, no, you're fine. I'm sitting there. My mouth's numb. Right. Thing, I'm like, hey, I'll take that. You need that. Yeah, seriously. Oh. But yeah, yeah, so after that, I got back to him. I felt, I was like, man, I guess I'm in. And then yeah. at the end of the night, Sammy come up to us. He said, he, he said, guys, I told you there's no money. He said, but we're going to start. We're, we got uh, some towns coming up. We got Lewisburg coming up next month. Uh, Chris said that if y'all want to work, well, you know, we'll book you. So we got, so we started getting booked in for uh, Sam and Aaron, Chris Champion. After that. And it just yeah. kept going. Uh, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. Yeah. A couple months after that, Chris was like, he brought us in to Shelby, uh, to Shelbyville. And then he, he started, he, he's like, yeah, guys come up on uh, Tuesdays. And we'll, we uh, work out and everything training and everything, y'all coming up. So we went to a few ones and then I wanna say it was around end of August, maybe first September, he was like or maybe October. It was somewhere in the fall of night. He's like, he said, Man, y'all guys, I like y'all, but y'all you can tell y'all y'all need training. He's like, Whatever y'all did, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So I can still use you but, you know, I can't do nothing with you know, if you wanna yeah advance on the card and start getting paid, he said, You got to get better. Yeah. Uh, so we start going to, I start going to, me and Mark had a falling out. I don't want to get into that because that's 30 years ago, 35 sure. years, whatever. We had sure. a falling out. 
So he didn't, he, he just stopped going. So I kept going to train. I go to train and, you know, just, and then I started getting trained, you know, properly. And, and, uh, but I was, I was already advanced. Cause I've been working. I was actually started working, you know, decent people and stuff. So, you know, so that's why I tell everybody I got trained by Chris Chandy because I really did. But, sure. you know, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And one answer for <laughs> took 30 minutes. Yeah, that's all right. No, that's a very good answer. I like that. That's awesome. Now, what year roughly was that? Um, when we went to Hartsville was November of 91. And the fall of 92 is when Chris, I started training with Chris every week. Okay. Okay. Now, talk about your, your progression after that. You're continuously working, obviously, but you're also getting a little more seasoning. Now, where did you go to to get that seasoning? Or did you just stick around with Chris and keep going with him? Like I said, Chris, he was booking Lewisburg on Saturdays and for for San Manier. And then he actually took over. Sammy stopped, but Chris, he started promoting and booking it. Yeah. Uh, for Saturday. Then he was the booker in Shelbyville on Thursday nights for, uh, it was Willie Paul Davis. Willie and Paul. Yeah. And then Glenn Davis, then Glenn Mullins, because it was his building. He took it over from Willie Paul. They kicked Willie Paul out. Chris okay. stayed on as a booker. So I was okay. doing, basically for, working for Chris on Thursday nights and um, Saturday nights. The Thursday nights was, it was um, better because it was Saturday nights. Um, I don't know. It's, is a little different crews. It was about a half and half the same crew. Okay. Uh, it seemed like Chevyville had more of your top end guys. Well, I never got to work them, but it seemed like they were. I guess because Chris wasn't fitting the whole bill. Mm-hmm. Like Lewis, you know, he'd bring in some people, but uh, Chevyville was was really a lot of good talent. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then you you're obviously meeting a lot of the names that you mentioned before on your local, you know. Mount Rushmore, I'd assume, you know, guys like Chris Michaels, Tracy Smothers, you know, you know, all these guys that are that are so important to the Middle Tennessee, Southern Kentucky wrestling scene. Now, when did you become Quentin Charisma? Okay, that's a funny story. Okay, so I was Mr. Charisma from Hearts Alone. That, okay. That, that first that book, Mark said, "You got to what's I couldn't come up with the name." He said, "Mr. Charisma." I said, "Okay." So I took I went for that from the time that first match in Hartsville, all the way up till I want to say January of '93. Okay. Was was when I was training, and Chris was like, "Man, you got to come up with a name." He said, "Mr. Charisma." That's just it's not working. <laughs> it might have been the, it might have been fall of '92. It's just a uh, when, like, you know, December 92, January 93-ish, right in there. Yeah. Um, he said, you could come with a name. And we were sitting in Shoney's, and he's like, what? He's like, I want you to think about these names. He said, um, you know, some he keep the charisma. He said, but you got to think of a first name. I said, okay. So the next week when training, uh, Wolfie rode with me down to Shelbyville to the training. Okay. This week. And okay. we were driving back. And it's like, Chris want me to come up with a name, first name. And Wolfie's like, yeah, yeah, you need a first name. And he goes, what about Casey Charisma? I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. So I took it to Chris Thursday night. He's like, no, that's horrible. I want to come up with it. I said, no, no, no. He said, you know what? What about Clinton Charisma? I was yeah. like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't care. I just got him. I got a name. <laughs> yeah. 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 Clinton stuff, and that was it, you know. 
And then so, you modified the spelling of charisma, or were you always doing it that way? I, he, that was him. He said, but he said, let's change charisma. He said, because you're doing kind of a flamboyant. He said, I want you to go full gimmick. Yeah. Charisma. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I'm listening to him. Who am I? You know yeah. <laughs> what he said. I did. You know? Yeah. 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 You know, what's so funny is everybody I know and highly respect Chris champion came up with their gimmick. It's PG 13. Yeah. He, he's my, he had a, a lot of people say, Oh, he was lazy, you know, and he didn't like, you know, his work, you know, but his mind for the business was, was crazy. Yeah. The stuff he'd come up with. Yeah. I saw him in a match recently. I was watching that was for Crockett. I think this was after they bought Mid South. I saw him adjust Rick Steiner's sinuses pretty good with a kick. (laughs) Yeah, man. Wow. And you're kicking Steiner. He sure did. He sure did. Yeah. I, I would love to hear that story. Of course, rest in peace, Chris Champion, man. But honestly, what a. What a great guy. I I got to meet him one time and just, you know, such a cool guy. And you could just see the people in the locker room. They were just kind of in awe of this dude. I know there's certain people that say this stuff about him, but, but we're not getting into that. What I would say about Chris is it seemed like he had this magnetic draw about him that, and you're right, such a mind for the business. I mean, other than the marvelous Mortons, you know what I mean? Which Shane <laughs> apparently hated, but you know, I, again though, Quentin Charisma, Wolfie D, JCS, PG-13, you know, and the marvelous Mortons. There's just a few that he came up with that all these guys that I highly respect. So yeah, a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, he got let go from the Jarrett's and you know, he was working local independence around. Yeah. Ninja Turtles hit the scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. He went and bought the spandex and bought the pattern for the costume. Right. And set in his apartment. Hands not machine sewed, hand sewed. Cut out the, did the whole pattern, cut it out, fabric, cut it out, hand sewed a whole Ninja Turtle suit. And he was the first one. Everybody thinks that Hildebrand, you know, Smoky Mountain did it. Now, right. Chris Champion was for Jarrett's, and he said he, and that got him the job. Okay. He, I mean, it, was, it was, you know, huge over at the time. He saw the inside of, hey, this is over, boom. And, you know, there's no tenth how much money he made through the years of gimmicks. Oh, of dude. Oh, I'm sure. Massive. Now, as let me ask you, since you're a historian, you know, randomly I'll see this on YouTube of a video of two guys working the gimmick in WWE doing the Ninja Turtle deal. Who did, Who was that? One of them was Gilberg. One of those was Gilberg. Was it? Yeah, okay. Was it both of them? Was it Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill? Okay, so it was Dwayne and Barry. I, 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 that I makes one sense. was... was okay. um, Dwayne Gill, I think, because him and Barry Hardy, uh, if you like, like watch all the early nineties um, mm-hmm. job matches. Yep, uh, they sure did. They were they, both they teamed a lot together, and they were up in that Northeast where the Dollars Independence together. Oh yeah, uh, as a team, and um, uh, I, 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 I want to say the other one was Barry Hardy. Okay, that makes uh, so I, very probably yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I always wondered if that was Chris, but I get, thank y'all for clearing not, that up. Yeah. Not so before that, yeah. this was when it first, I mean, it, it just got popular. I mean, it was still really new. Okay. And nobody else, and now the rest of people caught on to, Hey, you know, let's, it, let's, so yeah. 
And then was, after, after, like, um, you know, WWF, you know, the big two, big two were, you know, kind of afraid of, you know, licensing and stuff like you know, yeah. Stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. And I, you know, that red, that's where they had the trouble with that was, you know. Of course. Was, you know, with that. But yeah, Chris was original. That's awesome. They, you know, get their pants suit off these days, you know. Oh, you know. So we kind of jump all over. If we go far, you, you, you know, whatever. We just come on with us, man. Jared, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was wanting you to tell us and the and the world about the hillbilly hammerlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man, that's like local folklore, man. I mean, it just, <laughs> and you know what? I think it's on tape. I think Tim Miner has it on tape somewhere. Okay, yeah. He was taping all the shows in Galveston, Tennessee for Tim Scrooge's promotion. Yeah. Uh, it was a tag match. It was me and my uh, tag partner at the time was Insane Shame. Yeah. Uh, we were working. Mike, Mike Jablonski at the time, he was Mike Rage. Okay. And uh, buzzed up. Buzzy yeah. was uh, called the Southern Hillbilly at okay. the time. And they were called Southern Rage. And Buzzy had probably been working maybe six months, maybe mm-hmm. eight months, maybe. I could be wrong on that, but it, he was still, you know, new to the business. So we're in there, and uh, so I'm in there working him. It's during the shine, you know, trying to shine him up. Yeah. And yeah. I had him in a hammerlock. I gave him the office to reverse it. I feel him going around, and all of a sudden I'm standing there with my arm behind me. I'm like, why is my butt touching his butt? <laughs> and I kind of look back. We're back to back with hammerlocks on. Shame, my tag partner. He is just—he's lost it. And yeah. uh, Troy Eaton, God bless his soul, he was with us. He was yeah. managing outside. Was we had a little three-way tag thing we were doing at the time? Yeah. I look at—he is on the floor dying. He's—he's yeah. he's lost. And, yeah. and I look at Mike, my, everybody's laughing except for me and Buzzy. We're like, what do we do? It's become just a legend right here, the Hillbilly Hammerlock, and we have no idea how we got there. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. That's hilarious. That's how the best stuff happens, though, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think if we tried to do it, because somebody said we should have did this other, uh, a couple weeks ago at the reunion, and I was like, I don't think we can do it if we know, if we want to, because we don't know how we got there. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I guarantee that that's somewhere on the list of Jericho's 1004 moves. I'm I'm sure of it, you know, is the hillbilly hammerlock. Maybe not. Maybe even Jericho couldn't do it. But anyway, so, okay, I'm going to ask this question because I need you to clear something up for me, man. Can you please tell the world who is Jay Phoenix, man? I mean, I, I know guys like, you know, Jeremiah Plunkett. I know, you know, some great guys, but who is Jay Phoenix? I was a little kid that come around and <laughs> who hated me because I we didn't get off on the right foot. Um, I'll tell you a little fast story. Uh, yeah. I met him one time in Smyrna for you know this uh, one show. I was hanging out. I went what rode, rode up with Mike. Just hung out. I was it was during the time period I was down from my when I had my car wreck. Okay. Uh, so I just you know I met him then, and Mike said, "Oh, this is a kid. He's a good kid, man. He's got a good head on his shoulders." And, you know, and saying, so you know I met him then. You know, no big deal. And then I got back in uh, to managing after I was after my car wreck. Mike, I came back and I was managing Mike in. Columbia. Uh-huh. 
And so we're standing there talking and JP comes up and goes, Hey, is that my music? And this is the old me. I turn around and I said, dude, I don't sit around and beat off your music. I don't know what you come out to. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was just like the biggest prick known to man. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, I was like, I don't know, you know, it just, I, I was bad about just saying whatever come to my mind back then. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah, I just, and that was further come to my mind, yeah. you know? So That's yeah, he didn't really, uh, I don't think he really cared for me. Was, you know, and then, I don't know, man, we grew to be, you know, he, he became my best friend in wrestling, you know? Yeah, he's he's a great dude, and and for the world, it is Jeremiah Plunkett. You know, current NWA star Jeremiah Plunkett, by the way. And and the cool thing I love about Plunkett is, is man, you know, he helped me out in a lot of ways. I had a car accident. He would take me to the shows, make sure I got to the shows. I mean, it was just a great dude. I could say a million things about Plunkett. I got to manage him, and he and Drew, and you know, I've told this story before, so I won't go into it. But it was a great time getting to manage them. I wish I was ready to be a manager of that team at that time. But talk about y'all's run together, man. Talk about the times. I mean, you know, because y'all had a great run, you know, especially in the USWO, man. You worked everybody in the company, basically. And Now, were you officially called Hanging Tough at the time? Uh, No. Okay, so I came back in, was it, oh, I had a car wreck in 04. I came back, uh... It was 04, I believe, from my research, what I could see. I had a car wreck in 04. Okay. About until January of 06. Okay. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Okay. January 06, came back to Columbia. I just came, I just rode down with Mike, uh, Shane Morton, and uh, was Shane, uh, Shane Morton, I think, was booking it. And I, I think Rob Biggs just took over the book or he was about to or whatever. Somehow, Shane was like, hey, you want to work? And I'm like, I, I just come here to hang out. I said, I can't work physically. I can't. And he said, yeah. you want to manage? Like, well, I'm down here. Might as well. So, you know, so I, man- so I started managing. I did that oh six, all through 06. Um, Crow brought me on at USWO fall of 06. Um, he put me with Mike and JP and the Saint. Um, so I managed all the way up. It was about the f- May-ish probably. Of um, is it 07? Yeah, it had to be 07. And I was like, you know, I'm ready to get back in the ring. Physically, I'm ready back. And me and him, you know, hang. We started. We was, you know, for the last year, me and him started hanging out a lot, hanging out. You know, just and he's like, you know, when I first started watch wrestling, uh, went to wrestle show. You were on the first show. He was, and I was in a tag team called Hanging Tough. But it was me and this guy named Dieter Brock. Had a little manager named Monte Carlo. Yeah. For Brock's promotion. So. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we did it. Me and Dieter did a, like, a year run there as Hanging Tough. And he said, what do you want? Did you want to do Hanging Tough? Me and you. I was like, eh, you know, I already did that, you know. And he's like, he's like man, and I, I really wanted to team with him because I could tell he was, he, he had it. Yeah. And he, right. he wanted it. He had it. He wanted it. He needed to learn. I said, I'm, nobody but i can i think i can give a little bit to people as i've tried over the years whatever, sure. but i know to, you know pass it on and i could tell you know this it, you know he's gonna do bigger and better things you know hey i'm gonna hop on the coattails because i think this is gonna be something i said yeah. yeah let's do it so it was his idea to do to 
to bring back hanging tough and um let me say this real quick, Quentin. They actually came out to the New Kids on the Block Hanging Tough song, Jared. This is a legit heat, heat magnet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so the original Hanging Tough was, um, I said, this man, this guy named Peter Brock. His mm-hmm. gimmick was he was like a low-budget porn star. Um, <laughs> okay. He, like, he did local porn for the Super 8 hotels. Oh, and, okay, uh, okay. And, nice. and, and, the manager's name was Monte Carlo. He did like, uh, oh, I don't want to explain his gimmick. Uh, kind of like, like French. a French playboy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of thing. He had money. He had the uh, white tux he, with the black inlay. Yeah. He, he, I remember yeah, Monte. Yeah. So he, okay. So Brian put, Dieter, he was wanting to, he, he was doing Dieter's thing. He knew, and Brian Sheenham, who owned the project, he was booked. He knew that. Dieter needs somebody to follow. He had he had potential, but he like he had need somebody to, to show him what when to do it, why to do it, how to do it. Sure. She don't put us together. Monty was already managing Dieter, and you know I was doing you know the CC slash flamboyant whatever you want to call it. I did it all, sure. all year. Yeah. So I'm doing that. So and I, I want to. I'm I'm ninety nine nine point percent sure Monte Carlo's want to come up with this because he goes, is it the the Dita Brock is hanging and the quick cruise is tough, you know. <laughs> and it came. It's a good Monte Carlo. Actually, yeah. and he said, and he come up with it. He told us to use the music. So I'm giving that all to Monte Carlo. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure it was his thing. Usually I come up with stuff, but on that I'm I'm, I'm that was his that was him. So. <laughs> So fast forward to me and JP, we did the whole thing. Um, I was toned down by then. You know, I was just more just flamboyant. Uh, and he wanted to use the music and everything, so we went on with it. And, you know, I looked it up. We were, like, tied for second for the most uh, title reigns in USWO history. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we're that's tied very with cool. Like, uh, I think we're tied with Ryder. Is it okay. Ryder and Andrews, maybe? Okay, okay. Or is it Ryder and somebody else? I can't remember. We're, we're like second. I didn't realize how many times we. I know we have it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a uh, year and a half we was top. You know, we we were we were Dude, there. <laughs> listen at these names that they worked, Jared. Chuck Taylor, LT Falk, Bill and Jamie Dundee, Kid Cash, Madman Pondo. I mean, those are just wow. names. Yeah, I mean, that's a promotion right there. But yeah. at the same time, then they're also working like White Tiger, Damian. I mean, they're doing so many great matches. And you're right. It's it's consistently a great run, too, man. Such a fun, fun gimmick and such a fun team. I, you know, I'm a huge a fan of the USWO. I never got to work the stadium in. I'm, I'm sad about that. But I did get to work the Millersville version for a little bit there. But, yeah, man, you're, you're naming some great names here. Now, I guess, you know, with that being said, while you were were working at the USWO. Did you ever go into one of the rooms at the stadium in? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is, I mean, I know stuff happened. That was more on the bonus shields end. Yeah, and sure. I, I got you. Yeah, I understand. I but everybody puts down stadium in. You know, it's crack house, whorehouse, whatever. All I that is true. <laughs> yeah, man, it was great, dude. Yeah, I, it, yeah. You know, I've wrestled in barns before. Sure. And shed, my barn, I'm sorry, sheds. I've wrestled in sheds outside, but that crack house, I don't care what anybody says, it had an atmosphere. 
Absolutely. It, it was made that I know that building was six years old by the time wrestling got into it, got in it. That little ballroom there, banquet, banquet room there was made for wrestling. It, it was, was, man. You know, it low was low ceiling, but man, perfect setup. People great lighting. Yeah. Your clothes crammed in there. You know, it just, there was something up there was, there, I, I hate to say this word. People are like, oh, you only had, you know, 150 people most, at the most there. But man, there was a lot of magic in that little, that little room. It was. And as a, as a fan, but as a fan going there, it was a lot of fun for sure for the fans. But, but would you rather have 150 fans all into it than 10,000 on Monday Night Raw or Dynamite or whatever, or AEW that are just kind of sitting on their hands? I mean, like, oh, I'd rather have, I'd rather have 150 that are into it any day. Yeah, oh, you're working. Well, I don't know because you, your paychecks gonna be different. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but for the love of it, I guess. I, yeah, for for the actual love of the business, you can get 150 people just going bonkers. Yeah, and you know you have a big arena where they're just sitting there. You know, yeah, they're just dead. It's just dead sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that you, you hate because if well nowadays they don't care, but because they're in there just to pop themselves. But sure. back in the day, you're trying busting your butt to get those people into it, and they're sitting on their hands. There's no worse feeling than that. Right, it's brutal. The quiet is horrible. Hey, everyone. This is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The Fox in this sport He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it. Mike Jablonski. So a lot of people could go their whole life without this, but it looks like did I did I see that you had broken your nose twice in two weeks? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about yeah. that. Okay, um, this is hanging <laughs> tough. Me and Plunkett, we were working. This is uh, working Friday night, Stadium Inn. We were working. Oh gosh, the Saint and who was his partner? Josh Crow, I think it was Josh Crow. So, boom, boom, we're having a match. I think the heat was on Josh Crow. They uh, doubled him and uh, Crow and JP do double down. Hot, uh, hot tag comes. I come in, I feed in. They hot tag saying he comes in. I come to feed in. Just four barrels me right in the nose of the fist. Yeah. Just, just, just lays me out. And I take a bump and I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, Mike, there goes my nose. Mm. And I've only, and, and back up a little bit. This, this is like in the 
second month of of come back actually wrestling uh, from that, my layoff. Like the first week, the second or third week in USWO for my layoff, I got um, Jason X, cousin Jason, did a European uppercut on me and put and hit me on my jaw so hard, my bottom teeth went in my tongue, my top teeth went in my tongue and met. Oh, so being a minor, we're in the back of stadium in, you know, boom, I get like I just get just cracked, nose broke. Mm. I'm like. And I speed in for a clothesline, and he comes with a straight punch. I mean, straight jab, right? And I was like, but so the finish was hit me with a can, spray can. Well, I dented that spray can on his head. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the receipt, buddy. I usually give people at least two, but that was, I mean, you mess up that. Somebody, I'm feeding in, giving me my body on a hot tag. I'm coming in, and you just, just punch me straight, punch to the face. Job. So I've been in the can on his head. <laughs> That's so. Well, so two weeks. So we were working. Um, the we're basically we were doing Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Thursday was uh, Shelbyville. Friday was Nashville. Saturday was rotating. Uh, they did Columbia and Petersburg. So we were in Columbia that night. We worked in Shane, Shane Morton, and Devin Domain. Yeah. And it was just, this was a freak accident. Now this one, so. I do something, I go down to cover him, and I went to hook the leg, and he went to kick out when I turned to hook the leg. Bam, knee right in the nose. Mm. Blood in there. And I, JP said I got up just cussing with just going off. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine the pain. At the back, I was like, I'm done. It's two in a row. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm not wrestling anymore. I'm going back to manage. <laughs> yeah. The first one was because the guy that, you know, wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Second one was just a freak accident, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's it crazy. happened within two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that's amazing. There's a movie. I can't remember what it is, but where a nose keeps getting broken. I can't remember. I'm not placing what is it. But, that? Oh, man. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's just so funny. But that I can't imagine the pain you were in, brother. I just can't imagine oh, that. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. second one was worse because it, it was still so tender from the first one. Oh, so I know. That, so that would hurt even worse. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. Okay. So in just a little bit, we're going to play a thing we like to call the name game here. But before we get to that, while we're still talking about the USWO time frame and stuff, tell me the story about you firing Jerry Lynn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I hear about this all the time. All right. So this was 97. Uh, I mean, 97, I'm sorry. Oh, seven. Sorry. Oh, mm. seven. Uh, Crow had left and went over to Saul to Millersville. Right. With Reno. Yeah. So right before that Crow told Tony, he's giving me the book. Tony didn't want to go full book with me doing the booking, which I'm, I was fine with that. So sure. Tony's like, I'm going to let you do some of the book and we'll do, I do the rest. So. So he was, you know, so we were on up, you know, he started booking. This is later on uh, after I had actually, my part was taken back away from me. And but, but, you know, no big deal. No, nothing, you know, it was just part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sitting there one night and LT comes up to me, goes, just talk to dad. He said, um, he needs you to fire Jerry tonight. <laughs> I said, excuse me? 
He said, my dad wants you to go. And when he, we got to let Jerry go. We just can't afford him. Just tell him that, you know, we're sorry. We just can't afford him. But he, he, he wants you to, you to tell him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I had nothing to do with the book anymore, but you want me to do the dirty work. You know, and I was like, you know what? I'm a team player. Might as well do it. Yeah. You know? So I was like, so I, I told JP about it. I said, what am I going to do? He said, do you got to do it? So I was like, oh. So they were, the JP and I think JC Crow, maybe Mike, Jamasi, I think they were new. It was a little group of us that, group of us, you know, knew that was happening. So they were all watching. Yeah. So Jerry comes in and goes around, shakes everybody's hand, and he goes and sits his back down. He sits in his chair. I'm like, well, I better get to do it now before he gets dressed because he'd really be mad. Really? That'll be horrible. So, yeah. So, I go over to him. I said, "Hey, I said, um, I'm the messenger. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot on me. Don't." I said, "I'm just relaying the message." Um, Tony wanted me to tell you tonight. You're finishing up. Um, he said he just can't afford. He, he just can't afford you anymore. And Jerry's like, "You're kidding." I said, "No." He's like, "Man, I'm giving them a great deal. Basically, half price." I said, "I know. I just, I'm just, I'm having nothing to do with. It. I'm just relaying the message." He said, oh, "I know." It's not do. I said, I know. I'm sorry, dude. I just, I did. I didn't want. I said, I didn't want to do it. I said, but you know, I, so I, I had to do it. And he's like, I understand. It's not against you. I said, good. I just want to make sure there's nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm in line with everybody else. You know, I have no control of nothing. I just, yeah. enjoy, I'm just taking one, helping the team out. <laughs> he started oh. laughing. I understand, man. So yeah. So ever since then, JP has never let me. He he's always he's like how how can you fire Jerry Lynn? <laughs> yeah. First of all, the talent, and then second of all, he's consistently one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's so nice. It's like how can you fire the nicest guy, Jerry Lynn? I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's always oh, doing me like that. Dude, wow. So you've got that notch under your belt, whether you like it or not, Quentin Charisma. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, man. All right. Well, next up, we've got one of my favorite parts of that show is we do a little thing called the name game, Mr. Quentin Charisma. Would you play the name game? Sure. Why not? All right. Well, the first one I want to start off with is Mr. Scorpion, the Pete Cannon. Oh, man. You don't get me crying. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was working for Chris Champion, making $5. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't going nowhere, you know. And Pete come up to me one night in the dressing room and said, do you want to come to Nashville uh, for Power Slam Wrestling, Terry Rice? He was the booker for Terry Rice. And I was like, yes, most definitely. And... He brought me to Nashville, and you know, that's when I started working really, you know, good, talented guys. And, um, you know, he you know, he, he kept me low-card, mid-card. You know, I wasn't nobody to push, but he gave me enough of a little bit of push and got me to where I was working better talent to learn. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the world of Pete, if it weren't for him, I don't, you know. So he's, he's forever in my heart, man, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, so I was working around that Power Slam crew, which got me booked in Columbia with Tommy Higgy. Tommy Higgy seen me and said, hey, do you want to come to Columbia? Another, you know, 
So it, it that's so Pete Cannon got me going. Really, I was yeah. I would never I would have been stuck working for Christian Fry forever, making five ten dollars working the same old people. Yeah, and I probably been fine with it, but you know, if it weren't for Pete Cannon, I owe Pete Cannon a lot. Yeah, I owe him a lot. Yeah, you mentioned him earlier, but how about friend of the show Mike Jablonski? <laughs> oh, Mike. It's a funny story. I've known Mike basically all his life. Um, his mom and my mom were really good friends. Um, I saw Mike when around he was born, time he was born, probably maybe um, two years old, three years old. We lived in the same neighborhood. Then we moved out, kind of grew apart. You know, I'd see him out, you know, around Mount Joseph Hermitage area, you know, through the years. And then um, – one I was at my mom's house and his mom and dad was over at my mom's and she goes, I, you wrestle? And I said, yeah. She goes, my son wrestles Mike. I said, really? She goes, yeah, he's, um, he went by Mike Steele. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. I've never heard of him. Um, I said, well, if he's around here, I'll probably run across him one of these days. It went maybe six months later, ran across him and, um, Mike was horrible. He'll tell you he was horrible. You know, he was working in, in Gallatin or, you know, it's, it's like all, you know, your lower indies, you know, you have a couple of decent guys, a couple of old timers just did a little something. I ran across him. Mean, I knew he had heart because Lord knows he was spending a million dollars in gear. Right. And um, he, looked, looked, <laughs> he looked good, you know, and, you know, when he put his gears on, gear on, he looked good until he got through the ropes. So I tried to talk to him when I said, what do you want out of this? I said, what did you think was going to happen? I put him aside. We went over this, behind this little curtain thing in the dressing room and, and Galfin said, I said, what? You know, because I, so I said, you know, I knew his family, you know, know, you know, knew his mom, love his mom to death. And I could see him. He's up there just struggling, putting yeah. effort, but just, you know, two left feet, two right yeah. feet, you want to call it. And I said, what do you want? He's like, you know, and I said, what did you expect when you got into this? What did you expect to get? Yeah. Did you expect to be two years still up here, which I'm here now, but you know, I'm here because I don't like driving. It was 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> so, right, right. Anyway, that's so what do you, and he's like, well, when I first got in, I figured Vince McMahon would call me six months after I got in. <laughs> I, I said, I'm not trying to be a, a butt to you or, or, you know, I said, but you're never getting that call. Yeah. I said, now, if you want to do more than Gallatin, I said, you have to get better. Yeah. I said, right now, you you have you don't have a right foot and a left foot. Yeah. I said, you have to get mobile. I said, I told him, I, I, this, I, told him, I said, I said, what you need to do, you got a basketball goal? Yeah, I said, just go out and start dribbling. Just, you know, just get movement. Some kind of, you know, where you're back and, you know, just not just flat footed. I said, you got to get mobile. And he's like, okay. And then a couple of times I told Scruggs. Yeah, ran. So I said, "Put me and Mike together, and yeah. put us together." And you know, I, you know, helped him. That we was like we teamed for like a year. Yeah, and um, you know, I helped him much as I could. And from if you could have seen him then to now, it's like totally different person. Yeah, that's awesome. He just, he just needed that somebody to help him along. You know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good, man. good old Mike. We we like Mike on here. He's sometimes he's pissed off, you know, but <laughs> we yeah. like old Mike. So, good old brother Tim. Yeah, yeah. So my next one is you mentioned him earlier, but and that's a great story. But maybe if you have anything else about Mr. George Weingroff, one of my favorite guys. Oh man, oh George is he's George. I mean, 
I ain't come from the, you know, legendary wrestling family, you know, Sal Longroff. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, good, I kind of get back a little bit about, you know, when you get about George, you know, I, I said I got going to Columbia. I started riding with every, every other Saturday in Columbia. I would ride with Dale Storm. I'd meet him in Nashville and we'd drive and pick up George. Uh-huh. And I'd ride back and forth, you know, every other Saturday in a car with George Weingroff. That was a learning experience. Just listen to stories and listen to stuff. And, you know, and I was, I've, to this day, I'm, oh, I've been always not scared of George, but, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Respectful, respectful. Respectful. Yeah. I, I've never, you know, I, I never, I very rarely ever come up and start a conversation with him. I, you know, I just, I don't know, I put him up, up high of, and just so much knowledge. And he would, he would tell you something. If he saw something wrong, yeah. We'll come and tell you how to work, do it different. Right. You know, right. And, you know, and, and when he told you, you listened. I mean, yeah, and, yeah absolutely. But you know, he, he comes from that. Oh, he was that old school mentality. Um, everybody respect him because he was a legit shooter. And, but he, w- he wasn't a bully. Right. Right. Now you get in there and you make him mad or something and do something and disrespect him. He would sugar you and argue. Yeah. yeah but that's, yeah. He, he never, everybody knew he's a shooter, but if you, the way he presented himself he, as a professional, you yeah. didn't know he, you know, he, because he would never bring it up. Yeah. You know, he was just very professional. Great, great dude. Yeah. And great friend of the podcast, too. He's helped us get some great shows out of us. So, anyway, look forward to continuing that friendship as well. How about White Tiger? <laughs> White Tiger. Um, he, that's Damien um, Payne's brother, little brother. Dewey Barnes or whatever on TNA. Yeah, there. he started working with Dewey Barnes. He was White Tiger when he first started. He, he worked for Tony a little bit. I think I may have worked two matches. But just he was a green kid then. Uh, worked, me and him actually worked as a tag team for a few weeks in 09 in Smyrna or Laverne, where it was, uh, for a few weeks. We were about a, maybe about a month. We were a little tag team. Uh, he was so green then. I mean, uh, so it was kind of, you know, but at that time he listened. Yeah. He was very respectful, you know. Um so I've, I've never had any interactions after that, but after 09 to where he actually, he got really established as Dewey Barnes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was some of those that. guys that would go to work for TNA and work in their shipping department or their yeah. you know, DVD department or merchandise department. A lot of the guys yeah. that we know from the scene have done that. And yeah. And that got him an opportunity with TNA where he's actually had a little kind of like the James Ellsworth gimmick before the James yeah. Ellsworth, yeah. you know? Yeah, pretty so, much, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my next question, and this gentleman, I met him at the same time that I met you and and Plunky introduced me to both of you, Mr. JC Crow. Oh, it's another little brother. Um I love JC. He was such a he's such a good dude. Yeah. Um, you know, at, we him and I didn't know a lot about him. I just knew of him, and he started coming. You know, started working a lot of shows with him. He started working with Tony, and I'm pretty sure it's JP's idea to bring him in the mix because um, they really wasn't doing nothing with him. It mm-hmm. used to be, oh, he was basically you know just there and. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure it's JP's idea to bring him in the mix 
to hang in Tuscaloosa. And so we brought it. He was all gung ho about it, and he, you know, anything you asked him, he would do it. Um, boy, I tell you something though. That little dude had a he. He's a making me a mean little joker, dude. I saw him. <laughs> he beat the stew of New York gangster one night down there. Oh, at, really? Oh, he beat the fire out of him. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You want to hear the story or do we have time? Of course we do. We want to hear that. Absolutely we do. uh, JP had left. He went to Saul. So it was just me and and JC Crow as hanging tough. And so uh, they put the belts on all this. And they was having trouble with belts. Mm -hmm. So of getting belts and people leave, whoever owned it would leave. So JC went out and bought some belts. And uh, I mean, they weren't the best. They were nice for what he paid for them. They were really nice for what they paid for them. Yeah. And um, he got a really good deal on them, custom belts. So we started using them. And like the first week, we dropped the, we dropped the straps to um, Damian Payne and New York Gangster. No big okay. deal, you know. That's right. part, you know, that's, you know. So, well, no big deal. We, we did our thing, went to the back. Well, come to find out, New York Gangster threw the belt down and broke it. Broke one of the plates. Oh, oh man. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure. I don't know if he denied it. I think JC asked it. Well, I think it was my wife stooged it off to me, and I told JC. Yeah, yeah my wife stooged it off. Was my, she's my, we were dating at the time. She's my wife now. She stooged it off to me that he threw it down because we was like, this plate's broke. What happened? She told me. I told JC, and he just bought them. You know, man, he was in favor. He didn't ask Tony for a penny. He right. did it to help out, be a team player, help out the promotion. Sure. You know, he throws it down personally. And I think he confronted him. I think he lied about it. So I, we worked him the next week. And JC, was he was hot, dude. He was so mad. He took his fist and just taped it up, man. It was hard as a rock. Oh, my God. And so... I told him, I said, well, just let me know when you're going to do it. I said, it's just between you and him. I had nothing to do it. I'll make sure Damien stays out of it. Yeah. So we're doing the match. <laughs> and next thing I know, I, said, I, I look out. He gives me the Iggy. He throws New York Gangster out of the ring. I look. He's got him. He's on the floor. He's on top of him, straddling. New York Gangster had long hair. And he took it and wrapped it, wrapped like, around his hands. Mm-hmm. It, it, so he couldn't get over. He didn't have that tape fist. It was just coming down just straight, you know, 12 to, 12 to 6 straight down right on his head. Just bam. Oh, my and gosh. You could hear, hear it in that building. And Damien, was like, and Damien could go, what's going on over there? I said, don't worry about it. Yeah. He said, no, what's going on? I said, stay out of it. And, of course, he wouldn't. He So I throw him back in the ring, and he goes to try to – I grab him, and dude, I yokozunied him, man, right? <laughs> I told him, I said, stay down. It's not between us. Right. And you know, it, he just beat the stew out of him. So I let Damien up, and he, Damien was stupid enough. What he, He'd come charging. Uh, JC let, he got up off from, uh, off from Gangster. So Damien runs at him, and he just judo throws him right into the chairs. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you know, you stay out of it. Yeah. And then Dan Bad got up. He starts yelling. I told him, I said, I, I, my wife's last about this to this day, and she'll repeat it all the time. I'll look at him and I said, Sit out, old man, or I'll stretch you like bubble gum. It <laughs> <laughs> just got crazy. But yeah, it, so, yeah, so JC, yeah, he's my little, he's my little brother. I love him to death. Um, 
such a good dude out of the ring, out of the business, you know, it, do anything for you. Just, just a genuine good dude. That's awesome. That's a great story too. Yeah. I didn't get to know him too well, but any interaction I ever had with him was always cool for sure. And of course, you know, when you have somebody like Plunky introducing me to you guys, obviously that's a bit of a voucher, you know, so it's not going to be an issue, but the next name I have, and I would love to know where this guy is and, and where he, where he ended up because he helped me out so much in my early days of working for Porter. And this was probably, you know, a few years after you got to wrestle him and work with him but his name's steve-o man i had no idea yeah he yeah. just just kind of vanished you know yeah Do i you probably have like somebody else you got a, a normal life and hopefully and, yeah. yeah yeah hopefully and yeah. just living it and staying away from this chaotic 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 <laughs> yeah person do you have anything to say about old steve-o i didn't work with him much yeah um he came in i i, I met him he first he showed up with Mike. Javon, okay. he, he was a friend of his. Um, well, let me go back. I think actually, for somebody, I think he he knew Ben Jordan somehow. I think. Okay. Okay. And I think I met him one time. He came with Ben Jordan to a show. Gotcha. And then year, I'm talking years, years later, uh, he was hanging out with Mike. Mike brought him to a show in Old Hickory, and okay. he started and did a ring announcer. And he's that's how he got started in the business of ring announcing. Um, and then I probably didn't say he started doing it when I think he went started working for Porter to ring announcing or they started working. I probably, I probably saw him probably, I think I maybe worked him one time yeah. at state. I think we might've worked him. Uh, you know, it, it, he was toward the, I was toward the end when he sure. started actually working. So I, I didn't have a lot of interactions with him. Not many at all. Yeah. So I don't want to say, Hey, he's a good dude. Hey, he was horrible. He's a lousy human being. I actually say anything. Cause I don't, I wasn't around him enough, you know? Right, right, of course. Yeah, and that makes sense. I just, when I came out there, I'd worked some shows in Virginia and North Carolina with my mentor, Kenny Steele, who had trained me enough to know enough to be a manager. And Steve-O actually helped me out with some stuff, especially as far as, you know, figuring out better bumps or better ways to take a bump that, you know, looked better for a manager. Steve-O was a great guy. Steve-O, it was funny, one night he was really impressed that I stood up for myself with somebody that I don't really want to say their name, but essentially they were probably easily 280, 290, and I was going to be their I was going to catch them on the outside of the ring and I'm a manager, you know, and I was probably, I was probably 185 at the time. I'm six one, but you know, still, and he comes out and I catch most of him, but his knee hits the apron and he's selling his knee in the back, acting like he's all hurt. And I, he was talking about guys being, you know, untrained, they shouldn't be doing it. And I stood up to him and he, uh, he said, Oh, I wasn't talking about you, man. I wasn't talking about you. And of course he was talking about me, but you know, it's Both funny. Well, yeah. Anyway, what was that? What'd you say? Not big okay. bully. No, no, he, he was, he was, uh, you would know who this guy is, but I'm not going to okay. say his name. That's right fine. I, that's cool. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that was just, Steve-O came to me and he was like, Hey man, that's how you got to do it. You know, don't let people, cause he was clearly trying to insinuate you were doing something. So anyway, go ahead, Jared, you got the next one. You mentioned him a little bit earlier and he's just a, um, you know, me and, uh, Jimmy were, big Smoky Mountain fans back in the day, so we got to see him a lot, it was Tracy Smothers. Oh, man. What do you say about Tracy Smothers? I mean, that 
And, right, right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Tracy, wow. Uh, first time I worked Tracy was in the fall of 92 for Chris. Um, and I probably I didn't see him until probably a year later. He remembered me. Yeah. Um, you know, always, always uh, give him advice, trying yeah. to help you. Never downing you. Right. Just I'll better you. Um, you know, I remember one time we was working. Um, uh, Mo and Mabel were on a show in Lebanon, Tennessee, and there's probably 15 people out there. <laughs> I work match. And I come back here, and I was just getting undressed. And Tracy goes, hey, you want to have some fun? I was like, yeah, I guess. Well, he's like, ain't nobody out there, so let's go have some fun. Come out there with me. Yeah. I was like, all right. You know, I just, you know, I, I hadn't been in business. I mean, I've been in business about three, four years. But still, he was, to me, he was still up there. Oh, yeah. You know, you know and I was like, oh, man, you know. And so I was, like, honored, you know. And every time, I'd go maybe a year without seeing Tracy. You know, he works everywhere sure you know, and i go back a year before i'd see him and and you see him he's like hey what's going on you know how you been doing he just asked everything about me you know i'm like he treated everybody on the same level you know oh he was great yeah you know absolutely. it's like i think it's like oh oh three oh four i was in columbia i'm working and was i was leaving and i was going to my truck i was putting my bag in my truck and he come and said Quentin, I don't know how you do it, man. You fly around like a luchador out there. I've watched your match. You're still doing it, brother. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, he, yeah. I mean, you know, he said, man, that drop kit insecure. He said, man, it's looking good. She's so still doing it. And, you know, it's like, you know, he didn't have to come up and say anything to me. He could just walk nah. up and say, you know, hey, see you later, you know. But no, right. I mean, he just, he was, he was so high up, but he saw himself as everybody's level. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would help, no matter who you were. Right. He would help you. Yeah. Because yeah. it's funny, you know, one night at Saw, this was before it was the NWA Saw. I don't even know if Crow was there yet. He might have just been around. And he, it was about probably about 15 people out there. He looks out to the crowd and in the locker yeah. room, he says, he says, well, boys, if they write, we can take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tracy was full of fans. Yes. Do you have one and you I can remember? My- my favorite, I've got them, I know them all, but my yeah. favorite one is of Tracy is, it's a battle. I'm talking about life, it's a battle. <laughs> so I was going, oh, it's all right, it's a battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one, the first one I ever heard, I'll give you one more, it's the first one I ever heard him say. He, I heard him, he was talking over there, uh, I think that been Shebville. He was going, he was, I'll keep he was working. He's like, yeah, I said, I, I figured out, you know, we'll just, uh, We'll start out. We'll start out slow, and we'll just taper off. Taper off and from I, there. I love it. And, and yeah, the, and that's the first one I heard. Yeah, I've heard a million of it. The battle. That's a battle. That's that's my favorite. <laughs> so, what's the sad thing about Tracy is I've ma- I managed him two times, and I had a chance to manage him a third time. And we were at NWA Saw, and I was managing the NWA Tag Team Champions at the time, Tyson Dean and Andy Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I was managing, or I was going to do a run in and screw over Eric Andrews that night to manage Rob Conway. And and essentially, the somewhat co-booker who will go unnamed at this moment was 
you know, Kroll, this is after TJ was gone and Crowley kind of taking over promoter. This guy was booking. I go to him. I said, hey, and, tra- and the second I get in the door, Tracy sees me. He says, hey, brother, I need you tonight. And I'm like, okay, awesome. I go talk to the booker. Booker says, no, man, you're out there twice already. Can't put you out there a third time, which all totally makes sense, except NWA Saw was a TV show. And what they were doing was they were cutting two shows out of one event. So. Yeah. Technically, I was on TV twice with the tag team and Rob Conway, but then I I would have been on the next week with Tracy Smothers. I didn't care about the TV. I didn't care about that part. What I cared about is now that I look back, that was my last time seeing Tracy, my last opportunity to have managed him, and I couldn't do it. So it really made me sad to say, I don't think they're going to let me do it, brother. And and so he went out there with another manager, again, a respected dude. I don't want to name names and make it sound bad, but the guy didn't do everything that Tracy he liked and i think tracy was kind of hot about it and anyway i felt bad about that it broke my heart to not be able to i would have dropped rob and the tag team to manage tracy one more time you know what i'm saying but anyway yeah tracy's a great guy miss him you know i I knew bobby eaton a little better but bobby was on that same level of just awesome dudes you know so go ahead jared you got one more in you so a lot of our listeners know from uh the little commercial we ran on the podcast, uh, this guy, but, uh, and you mentioned him earlier, but, uh, talk about insane Shane. Insane Shane. That's one of my old buddies. And we tagged for quite a while, about two years. Um, we're called the freak show. The freak uh, show. We, yeah. We, um, he, um, we, I started when I started working in Gallatin and the you know, slim pickings up there. Or like three weeks, I didn't work the three bay faces that you know I could have you know would want to work. Yeah. So I brought him in and worked him for a couple of weeks. Then we turned him. We then we tagged for like two years, I think, <laughs> two and a, almost two and a half years, probably. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's a partner, uh, really good dude. Um, he um, he started late. You know, he was probably mid twenties. When he started, yeah, in the late twenties probably. He yeah. started off late. He started off young, right? So I think he was like mid twenties probably when he started. But um, you know, he and he had you know got brought in old school mentality, you know, and just um had a really good time those two you know over two years we were a team, and uh, you know, he's still still one of my buddies to this day. You know, good dude. Yeah. He's in those uh, figures now. Those yeah, figures. yeah. He's doing now. He seems to uh, it's. You know, his thing now is, but he seems like he's doing pretty good with it. So, now, Shane, my old buddies, you know, just still still in there. (laughs) I can get in there. It's funny because Shane and and I and Brian Turner, we're all kind of got this weird click about us kind of, you know, doing our thing together or, you know, in our own way. And so, Brian, I did a commercial for Shane. And first of all, it took me forever for Shane to get the the gumption to record the the part for it because I wanted to put I wanted an extra commercial on our show. And I thought, man, we should promote your figures, you know. And he said, man, they don't want to hear my old country ass. And I said, no, man, just just say these words or say what you want to say, and then I'll put music behind it. What kind of music do you like? And we'll play it. And that's what the commercial that everybody hears on the show now. And so it was about about a month ago, I think Brian had been trying to get a hold of him because, you know, he's putting out a Tony Falk figure and stuff. And so Brian... 
I don't think he, he knew that I was friends with Brian or something. But anyway, Brian wants the commercial. So Shane sends me a message. He says, hey, man, do you mind if I use that commercial for some other places? Like, can I send that commercial to other people? And I said, you can send it to anybody you want to, as long as it's not that dirty dog, Brian Turner. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, he said, oh, okay, well, I'm glad I asked because that's who wanted the commercial. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'm just ribbing you, man. That's fine. Totally. Yeah. But it was so funny because Shane was just like, okay, that's hilarious. But I'd kind of, I got the Iggy from a Facebook post. So anyway, it was kind of funny to see. And old Shane believed me for a second. So I ribbed him a little bit there, but. Anyway, great guy. Got to give a shout out. Insane Shane, if you want a great action figure, you can even get customs made. But at the same time, he's got some great people out there. I know Reno Riggins. I know he's got a, a, a Randy Hogan coming out. I know there's a Tony Falk. I think there's a George South in the pipeline very soon. Just some great dudes. I'd love to see a Quentin Charisma. I know there's a Hot Rod Biggs being planned. Anyway, we need we need to see some, some more figs. So anyway, keep just give a look out for Insane Shane. You can join the Insane Shane Facebook group. Definitely, definitely get a hold of him. Now, the next name on the name game list is simply Booking Notebook. <laughs> oh, man. Who told you all the stuff? <laughs> we got our sources, brother. Mike <laughs> Jablonski. I'll, I'll never right. name names. <laughs> okay. So... This was in 09 in Laverne. Okay. I started working in Laverne because it was, you know, 15, 20 minutes from the house. I don't yeah. like to go places, especially I was, I, you know, I was toward the end. Right. I didn't want, I didn't want to travel. You know, I, I, our drive is too far from me. <laughs> right. I can get, you know, 30 minutes from the house, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, that's just that point. I get so it. they were on Laverne, a guy named Kilo. So he brought me in. Well, actually, it wasn't him. Uh, Tim Brown, God rest his soul. Oh, he emailed yeah. me and said, hey, can you and JC come in and work baby? I said, well, I heard there's not no money there. He's like, well, I can get you this. And I was like, well, you know, that's under what I make normal. Sure. Not a lot under, but it's, you know, about $10 less at some yeah. places. Sure. You know, you know, some places it's actually the same amount, and it's only twenty minute drive. I said, sure, okay. So we did it and everything. Uh, he le- eventually he left. Him and Buzz were doing a Nazi gimmick. They left. Uh, then one night it was probably end of '08. The whole crew left, just walked out on them. Oh man. Yeah, and, and so he, so he was like, well, what do we do? And I was like, well, we want to get another crew in here, basically. <laughs> and so I got White Tiger. To stay, I got Dyron Flynn to stay, uh, uh, Pandora slash Miss Rachel, um, Lee Cross. Uh, I got JP to come back. He was working somewhere else. I got him to come back. Yeah. So we got and just uh, a big big dude named Slade, big old jacked up dude. Um, yeah. So we started getting a little. So we got a game of base crew, and uh, he had Jeff Daniels because something happened more Porter. It was right when he was running that Veritas Street. It was right, I think it was right before that, so he didn't have a Saturday. He was okay. in between Saturdays. So we got Daniels and I think a couple other maybe. It was Daniels and Gary. Gary Valiant. Yeah. yeah. 
So that was basically in Chase's house. He said, will you book it? And I said, yeah, I'll book it. He said, he said, the only thing is let me, I want to book the, the heavyweight strap. You have the rest of the card. I said, okay. So for the first, like I said, everybody walked out. And this was one of those places where half your crowd's family are the wrestlers. Right, right. And friends. So yeah. they lost, they were, so after they walked out, next three weeks, we were drawing like 20 people. Yeah. Okay, so I got these. I got everybody in there. I got stuff, stat, storylines going, and everything. Crowd started coming up, coming up, coming up. And I think so. By that was December. By April, you know, it was like 150 in this building. It was, it was, it was full. Yeah. It, we were getting crowds. Um. So, like I said, I had the book. Um. Uh, started running back Veritas. So Daniels left. Um, Boogie only came in like once, one, once a night, but, and there was a couple of them that left. I think Tiger went back to Port. Diamond Flynn, uh, love Diamond a lot. He, I respect him for this. He stayed with me. He didn't go back to Porter. He said, I'm going to stay with you. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to push you. So I pushed that. The thing was, we needed a heavyweight. And I told him, I said, to Keel, I said, I know you're the, I said, we're going to push Lee Cross. Went to the heavyweight, the top heel. We need a top heel. Yeah. He's green. He's green, but he had a good attitude. He listened. He did whatever you want to say. He, he was decent in the ring. I said, we're going to push him. No, no. He, he, we're, I'm telling this to, to Kilo in the dressing room. I yeah. said, he goes, no, no. Mama wants Lee Cross to be the lightweight title. <laughs> no. He said, well, he's skinny. I said, Wait, have your dress room skinny. You don't have any. <laughs> We're going with what I said. This guy's he's got good weight. Um, I said, you know, we'll put him. I think uh, so. I think it was Slade was the the top heel. So Slade can carry. Slade's good enough now. He can carry people. I said yeah. he'll learn from Slade. He's getting good heat. I said it'll help him learn. And we got to establish him. And he hasn't. He's been down here. He's been working his way up. I said. We don't need to uh, put it on somebody's beer every time. So yeah. we're building a guy. Now, Mama wants light, wants him as the lightweight champion, and he's going to be like, I took the, I had my book, I had the, I took it. I was, I was so mad. I'm like, I got your crowd from 20 to 150. People are coming in, they're buying what I'm doing, and he's fighting me tooth and that. So I just take the, I was so mad. Because it's like it was pulling teeth at this place to get anything. Right, right. And I just took it. The no, I slammed it down. I just start stomping it. Yeah, I was so. <laughs> then JP walks over and drops an elbow on it. That's what I was gonna <laughs> ask. Yeah, my goodness. He knew, he knew I was. I wasn't being trying something to be funny. I was hot. Yeah. 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 And I'm and I wasn't getting no extra money for booking, because they was letting me train. I had a guy that was training. They let yeah. me use his room for that was using the room for free before yeah. the show to train this guy. So I didn't take any money for booking, because yeah. it was you no know, exchange. Right. And so I but just dealing with them, it's like you can't you see what my ideas are working. Why are you fight me on right. everything? They fight me on everything, and I just lost. I just slammed. I just stomped. I was so mad. So. <laughs> Ever since then, you know, talking about me fighting the book in, in the dressing room. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here. There's a name you didn't mention that I, that I need to mention. Um, yeah, go it's ahead. Up there with Pete, it's up there with Pete Cannon. It's Tommy Higgy. 
Oh man, love dogs. When, when, when I went to Nashville, then Tommy brought me to Columbia. That's where I really learned. I the dressing rooms in Columbia didn't connect. Everywhere else connected. You had to know what you were doing in Columbia. Yeah, I learned. Boy, I sat in the, the the oh gosh, the closet. There's a little closet we sat in that he'll sit in. Yeah. And I sat there and I, I watched how Tommy booked stuff, how he would he was getting guys over. Yeah. And, but making these babies and I learned just by sitting there and I give Tommy so much. I said he's up there with Pete, you know, because if it wasn't for Pete getting me there, then Tommy taking me that next step, the big step forward of, of bringing me in. And I got to learn so much by bringing me in, putting me with people. Yeah. Me just being on the card to learn, sitting in the dressing room with him. Tommy, he gets, oh, my gosh, his mind for the business. Uh, to get established babyface and get him over. Yeah. It's amazing how good that man is. And he doesn't get the recognition of just his mind. But getting oh. to sit in the dressing room with him, sitting in there with George Weingroff and then other guys that come through. And you know, I'm, just like, I'm just soaking it in. And that's it, so Tommy is up there with Pete on how of me becoming me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Never give him enough praise for what he did for me. Dante and Mephisto has probably been, and I hate to say it because I'm picking favorites and I, nothing against you or anybody else, but the Dante and Mephisto episode is, is one of my favorites because of just the history those gentlemen have and honestly how incredibly humble they are. Yeah. It was so mind blowing that I'm looking at their resume. I mean, how many other people can say they shared a gimmick with the Macho Man? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, how many exactly. people could say? And you know, I was talking about Ben Jordan's resume earlier, but if you look at Tommy Hagee Dante's, his is just right there with it. He's worked everybody. He was on yes. every show that I mean, he Jim Pride, Tommy Montana, you name it. And then he, you know, doing the Dante gimmick, man. And again, to come off as humble as he is, it's it's it's, yep. it's just incredible. And I got to work with him some down in the CWA, and then come to meet him a few other places and. Every Everywhere they went, man, the people were around him just trying to yeah. learn something from him. So, yeah. Thank you for bringing him up. And Dante, I yeah. apologize we didn't bring you up, brother. <laughs> was, but, you know, anyway, as we're getting low on time here, and again, Quentin, we definitely got to get you back on, brother. I know you're a historian, and I want to put that to the test. And I know there's so much more of your story we got to tell. But as things go and time frames and everything, we kind of try to keep it to a little bit of a schedule. But Jared oh, always yeah. Jared always wraps us up with one question that, that I always like that he asks. Go ahead, Jared. All right, Quentin. So this is a, this may be a, a tough question for you overall, but, you know, just what the, first in your mind, what is your, like, favorite match you ever had in your career? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I had 18 years. So I mean, it's, I, you know. And, one flash is in your mind, though. Come on. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, really, seriously. Uh, you know, it it's it's really hard to say. I mean, I, okay. I How think, about you're most proud of then, or something like that? Well, there's a, this one sticks out. It's a it's a key point of of it, it, the match was decent. Uh, I was so green, and but the the outcome of the match made it change stuff. Um, it was in '93. I was working for Chris. I was done. I was, this is going to be my, I was done with this. I was, was 
gonna finish. I was they he put me in a little program with Wolfie because Wolfie had just um, took some time off from Jarrett's. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was his decision. There's who's no matter <laughs> where he was. He come and worked a few weeks for Chris, and Chris uh, put him put him there with me. So yeah, yeah, but. I was just, I was done because I wasn't, like I said, I was no going nowhere. Everything, I was working the same people. Same people, Wolfie kind of give me a little, but still, it was, I knew it was over that night. Right. So, you know, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. So, we went and had the match, good little match for, for me. And after it was over, I got in the back and I was like, maybe there is something for me in this. You know, maybe I should stick it out. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was done. I was, I was done. I was like, this finishing this up with this and I'm going back to working guys that, you know, put headlocks and arm bars on the wrong side again. <laughs> you, know, I'm just, you know, so yeah. I was, you know, I was done. That was going to be my last. And like I said, it wasn't the best. I've had way better matches, but at the time it was the best I had. And it gave me a spark of maybe I should stay in this. You know, that was definitely the one that sticks out because of that. You know, yeah, it, yeah. I just, you know, like I said, I, I don't, and you had so many, it's just, and you, you lose track over the years and, right. you know. And that makes sense. I mean, you, you actually worked kind of in two periods where you're in the 90s where you could work four or five nights a week. And it was, you know, even though the territories were dying, that, that, area you could work as they say the outlaw shows and it was like its own territory in there you know and and then of course you're t- you know on into the 2000s and stuff where kind of the things had changed and the attitude era had happened it was a great era i tell you what one thing that i wish is I, I was a musician i've told this story a million times the one thing i do regret is not starting in this business earlier because i was already in my 30s as a manager and you know yeah, i wish i would have started sooner but but I was still trying to live those rock and roll dreams. So it is, it is what it is. But anyway, Quentin, you know, we thank you so much for coming on. The one thing I've got to put over and I'm going to give you, I think it's plunky a hard time about this, but I am a huge fan of the territorial wrestling review podcast with you and plunky man. So when are we going to hear some new stuff and, and tell everybody about that one, Uh, man, it's something that we come up with and, um, I love doing it. I mean, it's so fun. Yeah. You know, he just, I'm ready to start it back anytime. You know, he's got a busy schedule. So it, it's just, yeah. you know, it, it, we just put it on the back burner, but I'm ready to light that burner up anytime. It, it balls in his court. So if you can talk to him. <laughs> oh, I already have about it. I've already had, I've bugged him about you know, it already. I, I think I'm you, you know, every, we were doing it every week and it, it you know, we That's got tough. Him, you know, over a hundred episodes every week, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, you know, we can scale it back a lot. Sure. You know, and, yeah. you know, it, I, I talked to him on the way back from the reunion. So I mean, we need to, you know, we scale it back at least, you know, we, we got to do it, get it back going. Yeah. Um, he said, he said, well, I need to talk to you. Well, I've got some ideas and, you know, but he's so busy, you know, and then, then like the next week he went to NWA for the weekend. So I haven't, you know, hadn't had a chance to really talk to yeah, you. I'm ready, man, because it's, I love doing it because I don't do nothing. <laughs> so, sure. you know, it, it, and, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I like doing it. It was well, fun. I want to redo it again. <laughs> 
I I absolutely think y'all need to start doing it again. Get this, man. Okay, so basically this podcast started with the idea that my brother and I were just going to record our conversations, essentially. And then I started reaching out to people and we got some guests on. And then like we've talked earlier, Magnum TA and the like and stuff. But when it comes down to it, you know, I've I've pulled a hundred every week, a hundred episodes out of Wolfie D. (laughs) And, and I'm not talking about all, I'm not going into Wolfie D's reputation of any kind of thing, but everybody knows that Wolfie D can sometimes get tired of something. And once he's tired of it, he's done with it. So, you know, some people were like at episode 30, they were saying, well, man, this will be good while it lasts. Thank you for doing this and trying. And other people were saying it around 50. And then we got a year in and now we're almost to 100 episodes last Monday. Now that the show drops. Anyway, we had the wild boys on and and man, I tell you, it was just such a a great opportunity. Hey, man, I got to take advantage of this. So I know what that weekly grind is like. So that is why give me back my pro wrestling is a strict every other week show so y'all should just do that man you know yeah i said i told him we can you know scale it back i just want to get it going again i've thought about doing somebody else but it's won't be the same that's me and his thing and it's just i just gotta keep what i just gotta wait on him to start but i'm ready i'm ready to go do it tomorrow if he wanted to yeah (laughs) yeah i love doing it i love talking about wrestling an yeah. older wrestling, you know, and just, right. you know, well, well, yeah. come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Cool. Yeah. We want to hear more and y'all go check them out. They're available wherever you listen to podcasts. They're definitely on YouTube and anywhere you want to listen to them. They're available. I highly recommend them. And I don't recommend a lot of podcasts because honestly, I work on so many podcasts that I don't even get to listen to podcasts other than my <laughs> own. And I do make a point to listen to y'all's when I can. So absolutely, absolutely highly recommend it to anybody that enjoys good old fashioned wrestling. But anyway, well, Quentin, we thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, we'll get we'll do a crossover. We'll bring Plunky and you on together and do a little territorial wrestling crossover with Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling and, and we'll have some fun or or we'll just bring you on and tell more about your story or whatever. But we've got, you know, we've got a list in front of us, but I wanted to make sure you got on it. And I just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us and and just being the awesome dude that you are, brother. Well, I appreciate you having me on myself. I love talking about wrestling. You're, <laughs> so, and you're good at you know, it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know, I appreciate it. You know, put me on here. It's, you know, I just, it really, I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. Cause like I said, I don't, I don't think I was never anybody, nobody, you know, but you know, but somebody takes any interest in what I did. You know, I really do appreciate it. Of course, brother. And you can say that about yourself, but nobody's going to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) We, We think you're somebody. So anyway, I appreciate you so much. So for Quentin Charisma, for our co-host Jared Street, I'm Jimmy Street. We'll be right back after these messages to wrap things up with the Plastic Chic on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the King of All Wrestling Media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders, you can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. 
If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. Oh, man, Sheik, what would you think about that? What a cool interview, right? Man, I mean, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. These guys, you know, are just great for us. I mean, they're, they're, they're so open to answer our questions. They don't, they don't really hesitate. And they, they lead the interview sometimes themselves, but just going on with their stories. Um, yeah. You know, there's so many times we have questions lined up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask this question next. And you're like, and we're like, nope, he just answered that. So <laughs> it's so great how that goes, but it's, it, it never fails with hardly any of them that they don't answer some of our questions without really even being asked so yeah because it's you know as an interviewer you know as an interviewee we we need to try that one day we need to be interviewed by somebody somebody bring us on their podcast but but you know when it comes down to it when we're as the interviewer you want the question to be explain you know you want to be able to explain the question enough that if they have a hard time answering it but sometimes you want to be able to just say something like a word and let them just riff let them go off and that's why i love doing the name game I, you oh, know yeah absolutely i brought it up and started it on the wolfie d show but it came over to here and it's it feels uh, it feels fun to do it with the the, the guys that we bring on because like you say it, it you know it elicits a response that this we don't ask for we just say hey this and they they go and you know one i think of that really did that very well immediately was jeff daniels you know we would bring up a name and jeff would just go and it was like you know hold up (laughs) but then we'll get back there a little bit (laughs) yeah but then you think about it and you're like no let them tell their story how they want to and you know just so appreciative to all the people that have been on here you know this is our 37th episode and i'm very happy with the things that we're doing right now and we've got some great guys coming up next we've got rick reynolds and some people know him as forsaken you know he was with dante and mephisto as nightmare man he's got some great stories just a big dude man he's like the size of like a Abyss or somebody, if you think about it. So, yeah, Rick's a great guy. Can't wait to talk to him. Doug Markham, great referee, came in around the same time I did. In fact, when he got to Saw, I think was one of his first times being in Tennessee that I know of. And we'll find out more from him. But he ended up working for MLW, you know, and Doug's done a lot as a referee. And I can't wait. It'll be our first referee on the show, you know. So, yeah, I'm excited about that element. But today's episode, Quentin, I learned a lot from Quentin. You know, the great story of how <laughs> really one running session for Mark Gordy with Dutch Mantel turned yeah. into Quentin getting his foot in the business and he never looked back. And I just love that. That's a great story. And it was so honest and so just real. And, yeah. you know, I'm appreciative of that. It was hilarious, right? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, this is just a, a note for any of our future guests that may be listening. 
if you're going to say, do you want to know the truth? We absolutely want to know the truth. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause Quentin would ask that. He'd be like, you want to know the truth? And it's like, yep, we do. Yes, we absolutely. do. <laughs> lay, it, lay it on us, brother. That's lay what we're here us, for. Yeah. You know, man, you know, the Kroll episode has had a lot of response. Some people are saying that the Kroll episode is our best of all time because of the stories that Kroll had. And I told you, Kroll's one of those guys that knows where the bodies are buried. Let's just say that. <laughs> And, you know, some people are saying that was our best of all time. And I'm, you know, I'm happy with that. Shane's number one right now with a bullet. <laughs> he Absolutely. went there fast and, you know, hot rods on his tail, though. And then, you know, poor Greg, everybody's gunning for Greg for third spot. But anyway, like we said, we're just blessed to have these guys on here. You know, kind of all started with Jeremiah Plunkett. And then, you know, from then on. We lost this, a little weight since then. We lost a little. Yeah, about. Tree fitty. Anyway, we <laughs> you but we've had some great guests. Hammerjack, Chris Michaels, Cassidy Riley. Can't forget that was a great interview with Cassidy. Such a great dude. He's doing awesome things in acting now. And you know, just a lot of fun stuff with all these guys. Now I will say this. They have agreed to it in principle, but no contracts have been signed. But Kroll and Jeremiah Plunkett. Plunky are going to come on and we're going to let them discuss and talk about the Shitoshi Kojima NWA struggle to get, you know, Plunky in a match with him for the title. And a lot of people don't know that full story. I don't know the full story. Plunky doesn't know the full story, but Kroll does. And I can't wait to have them two on together. And we'll when we get that interview, it'll be kind of a free-form, open interview. Jared and I may not even talk, you know. I'm just going to hit record, and we are going to let them talk and tell that story. And it'll be probably like a special episode drop that'll drop outside of our normal every other Thursday schedule. But that'll be something that's going to be fun. I can't wait to have that happen. Yeah, don't know when it's going to come, but it'll be, you know, soon, hopefully, maybe August or something. But long story short, got to thank Quentin Charisma. Got to thank you. Just a great episode today, and, and I'm very happy about that. So on a side note here, have you received the shipping notification from Powertown? I got it the other day. I was kind of getting antsy because I saw people on Facebook posting their uh, their yeah figs already Big and i was like i mean my order number is like 1400 something it's like so you figure either they started at a thousand or they started at one and i'm at least in the top 1500 orders and i saw a guy talking about he ordered magnum in december at three months after i ordered mine and that guy had already got it and i was like what the crap yeah but i did i did get it that's cool. All right. Well, hopefully soon. And when you do, we'll be posting pictures of the of the actual figures in their Absolutely. packaging. Correct. Is and, that I, and, we'll, and we'll give a little uh, chic segment, kind of breaking them down, what my thoughts are, everything like that. Okay. I love it. That sounds great. We'll have fun with that. But yeah. Can I, can I give a brief chic segment? Just of course. A, just, just a minute. I just need a minute. It's going to yeah. make you uh, kind of uh, jealous, I think. Okay. Yeah. I won a eBay uh, bid for a WWF LJN Warlord. Oh, you son of my mom, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. It's dude. in pretty good condition, but uh, we're going to we're going to I mean, it's not perfect, but if it was yeah. perfect, I would have to pay like Buku. a a, a, a uh, <laughs> 
$8,000 or more probably. So, <laughs> so half the amount of people that have listened to Shane Morton. Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing though. That's amazing. You know, everybody yeah. knows we're big marks for the powers of pain and road yeah. warriors, rock and roll midnights, all that. But man, warlord is one of those guys that one of these days I'm going to interview that dude. I don't know where it's going to be and what it's going to do, but I'm going to interview that guy and I can't wait to have it happen. That'd so be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's with me or whether with it's Wolfie, it'd still be awesome. Yeah. Either way, it's got to happen. So I've, I've literally not stopping until I do that. You know, to, as you bring up the Wolfie show, I do want to say something, you know, last Monday, as this show drops last Monday, we interviewed the wild boys and they're a great tag team. They were actually going to be on this show, but due to scheduling and honestly wanting to get them on quicker and my vacation probably too. <laughs> Yeah, your eight-year vacation coming up. <laughs> we are. We actually did. We wanted to go ahead and get them out. So Wolfie and I did that on the podcast with Wolfie. And yeah, man, those are great guys. Love those guys to death. Ben Jordan, dude, is like your best friend. I mean, I'm serious. I've been texting with him. And just look up his resume. Ben Jordan's resume is on par with anybody's in there. He was the global light heavyweight champion back when he was working with guys like Jerry Lynn and Sean Waltman. You know, Ben. You know, Ben tells a great story on the Wolfie D podcast. Some of y'all may not have heard it, but, you know, he tells a great story about being there in WWE at the same time as Scott Taylor. And Scott's there, and they are basically on the same level. And, in fact, they are tag-teaming together, and Scotty is the one taking the pinfalls. So, really, he had kind of become a little higher echelon of enhancement talent in WWE. And, unfortunately, he has an accident. And after that, Scotty Tuhati gets a big push and ends yeah. up and so you know it's kind of sad but he he tells a story that he kind of feels like maybe it was coming a little more of a push for him and unfortunately his accident caused him to be out for a year and he, he kind of lost that spot so it's kind of that classic story of right place right time steve neely tells a great story about working ming <laughs> and, and oh it was a 10 second match literally and he said he got paid the same as if it would have been a 30 minute match so he was <laughs> even fine better with than that yeah it was fine with that but yeah man and anyway long story short that was the 100th episode of the Wolfie D show so live and in color with Wolfie D has been there for 100 episodes so for those of you out there on our listener base and I, I realize they do cross over quite a bit and I'm thankful for that you know we thank you for sticking around with the Wolfie D show for 100 episodes. Thank you so much for listening to us for 37 episodes. Thank you so much for giving us your time. You know, thank you for just tuning in to listen to me and my brother talk about wrestling and talk to wrestlers. That's, you know, so important to us. But anyway, 100 episodes. Some say it couldn't be done, but I did it. <laughs> there we go, man. It's, it's, it's rolling good. Yeah, man. You do a great job, brother. I thank you for saying that, brother. That means a lot. I, I do enjoy it in the product and, and that the people enjoy it, too. That's the important part. So y'all keep listening. The main important part is that y'all rate and review. If it's Spotify, if it's Apple, if it's anywhere, give us a rating. Five stars if you can help us out with that. It means so much because it lets other people see us and, and think the same thing. And hopefully more people say, okay, that's a five-star show. You know, tons of ratings. 
means a lot. I know you can do it on Spotify. I know you can do it on Apple. Please, five stars if you can. If you want to, write a little review. Greatly appreciate it. The other thing is on YouTube, guys. Y'all are following us, subscribing. It means the world to us. But go ahead and comment a little something on it. What are your thoughts on that? You know, click that subscribe button, hit that notification, whatever. But the big important part on YouTube is if you throw a little comment on there, tell us what you think, you know? Yeah, the biggest things you can do for us on YouTube, if you see some of our content, like it. Uh, if you're not subscribed, obviously subscribe to it. And a, and a comment, just say, awesome job, guys, or just something to comment on there, just a little comment. It gets us in the, it gets us in the YouTube algorithm a little more. And, you know, it's it's usually going to be catered towards people that are going to like this stuff, uh, that they just may not be seeing their stuff because their reach is not wide enough yet. So Yeah, exactly. What Jared said. Jared is our YouTube guru. The Plastic Sheik knows the YouTube stuff better than any of us. So definitely appreciate that. And I definitely appreciate y'all for listening to us in any way that you do it. It means the world. Absolutely. I've got people on a list that can go till February if we want to do it. I promise you that. And some of these names are great people that you're going to have a great time listening to. Can't wait to get them interviewed. But unfortunately, we can't do them all at once. So just be patient with us. We'll get them all done. And once we're done with that, you know, I'm sure there'll be a whole new list. And I'm happy about that too. But when it comes down to it, we just really greatly appreciate y'all for listening to me and my brother talk about wrestling with all these great people. And, you know, of course, we always are GMBMPW on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Obviously, go follow, support. We've already said that. But just sharing, that means the world to us when y'all share our stuff. Golly, can't thank you enough. Yeah. So anyway, with that being said, I'm not going to beat a horse. You got anything else you before we go, Judd? No, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm just thankful for the people that listen and keep tuning in. We're going to keep pumping out these interviews. And uh, we'll get back to some topics sometime, but but we're going to give these people their due on these interviews, and uh, and we're having a good time doing them. I hope the people are having a good time listening to them. Yeah, and by the way, I can't believe I didn't mention this yet. We hit twenty five thousand downloads. Oh yeah! Give me hell yeah! That's I just, awesome. I don't That's even just... know. I don't even know what to say. I'm serious because, yeah. you know. <laughs> I was expecting maybe, you know, 30 people listen to us. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that was that was my thought. Maybe we'll get a few people from the Wolfie D podcast if they want to hear me talk some more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but other than that, 25,000 downloads total. Now, it's a little over that now, but, you know, I just recently posted it on our, our socials. And, yeah. It's, you know, normally we don't go into specifics on numbers, but if you want to take 37 episodes and do the division on that, you can figure out probably the average. But, you know, some of the shows don't have as many listens as some of the others. But with that being said, 25,000 times somebody has listened to our show, and I'm just, you know, blown away by that. So, again, y'all are the best. We'll talk to you next week when we have the great Forsaken, Mr. Rick Reynolds, and then Jer gets to take his 17-month vacation, and you're going to Hawaii? Aloha. Aloha, brother. Yeah. Well, go. Hey, I tell you what, man. You get over there. 
and you'll be you'll never want to come back. And I would understand that because I love <laughs> I mean, they, got inter- they got internet there too, man. <laughs> yeah, they got internet there too. See, exactly. Don't forget to pack your microphone. But anyway, <laughs> hope you get a tan and hope you have a great time. And we will be here waiting for you when you get back. But once again, for Jared, the Plastic Sheik Street, I'm Jimmy Street, and we are Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. We'll see y'all next time. Don't forget. Hang in tough. <laughs> Hang in tough. Hang in tough. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.